Hello and welcome to the Alpha Class. I'm your host, Book Skadaka. Today we are joined by Jason Stacey. With over 20 years in the fitness industry, Jason has worked with players such as Dimitri Tursunov and other top 100 players on the WTA and ATP World Tour. Jason is the founder of the Coaching Sweet Spot, where he mentors athletes and coaches to develop themselves as people and in the industry. Today we'll be talking about the big topic around their fitness and why players should be in the gym doing it, what specific exercises and much more, what they should be doing preparing for tournaments and during tournaments while they're on tour. This is an episode you don't want to miss. Stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a pleasure to welcome to the show today, Jason Stacey. Thanks for being here with us today, brother. Hey, my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Jason, tell us a little bit about your journey to those people out there that don't know who you are. No, I mean, there's people who don't know me. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just joking. I'm joking. Well, I mean, I'm a performance coach, which some people, you know, basically I'm a strength conditioning coach, fitness coach. I do sport therapies as well. So I manage rehab, do soft tissue work. Yep. Um, work a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of stuff in people's sort of uh, their approach to things so how they look at what's going on around them to help basically my job is to help people perform their best whatever that might be whatever sport they're playing or whatever you know work environment that they're in mm-hmm. um, and I do that through movement mostly and yep. a lot of stuff with the mindset of course um, my background yeah I mean look I've been doing coming coaching for what 20 some odd years now um, and before that I was before I was officially a coach you know I was uh, teaching martial art classes to kids adults right. people with disabilities quite quite a, a wide range of people so I guess for most of my life I feel like I've been teaching or coaching or you know just been part of what I do excellent um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, so background-wise, it's like, uh, like I said, strength conditioning background, got the uh, sport therapies background with, a, you know, athletic training, athletic medicine. Um, kind of went down a, for a short while, for a few years, going down like a sport physio type background, but then I realized I didn't really want to work in a clinic, yep. you know, and, and I was, my hands were tied a lot with, with what I was you know, what I was able to help people with, you know, cause it, especially in the U S we had a lot of constraints with like insurance and coding and mm-hmm. what we can or can't do in, in the sense of, you know, what their insurance would pay for. Yep. Um, so I, yeah. And I was just always involved in martial arts and fitness and moving around. So yeah, just, uh, I decided to make money at it. Now you do it for a profession basically. Excellent. And what got you into yeah. tennis? So you started in martial arts. What was that, uh, drive that got you into more tennis? Cause I know you're on tour with a lot of players. How'd you get into tennis? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, that's, I mean, this, this story goes to that same saying of like who, you know, gets you there and what, you know, keeps you there. Right. Mm. So I've been, I've been on the tour for like what, 15 years, roughly something yep. like this. Um, and you know, previous to getting on the tennis tour, like I said, I've been doing this over 20 years. I've worked in a number of sports and I still do now, you know, from combat sports to swimming, tennis, table tennis, yep. you know, dance. I mean, tons of basketball, gymnastics. Like I've been in like so many sports. Mm. Um, and a lot of these, a lot of athletes I've trained, you know, I've, I've worked with many world champions, Olympic champions. I've helped numerous people, you know, qualify for their Olympic teams and national teams and, and medal. Yeah. So I've already been, I was before in tennis, I was involved in a lot of sport and I still am. Um, how I got into tennis is there was a professional tennis player who um, I was living in Australia at the time and getting ready right. to move back to the U.S. Yep. This player lived in the U.S. And at the time, we have a we have a mutual friend or two friends that are like mutual friends. And they thought, oh, Australian Open's happening. This is around the time I'm moving uh, back to the U.S. Australian's opening, you know, is going on. And so our, our mutual friend thought, hey, you know what? I'll come and watch Dimitri play and I can hang out with Jason at the same time. Well, at that same time, they were getting rid of their physio and their strength coach. 
Like he did, right. you know, they were firing him on it and they were looking for someone and they're like, Hey, what about Jason? Cause I, again, I'd already been in the, you know, professional sport industry for yeah, many yeah, years, yeah. had some great results. And uh, they approached me and said, Hey, would you be interested in trying out tennis? I'm like, all right. I haven't, I never played tennis. I wasn't yep. a tennis player. And to be quite honest, I never really watched much tennis, just, you know, randomly would, you know, watch yep. the big events. Um, and so, you know, I, I hung out with them during the Open, at the Australian Open. I flew over to the U.S. right afterward to do a few weeks, just like a little training camp with uh, Dmitry Tursunov and Igor Kunitsin. Mm-hmm. So those are the two first two pros that I worked with. Yep. Um, that went really well. Like, I, I liked the idea. They liked the way I worked. And we thought, okay, let's, let's try out a... Uh, uh, go do a couple tournaments because it's quite different just training in the of gym course, at yeah. home, you know, versus being on tour. And that worked out really well. And then shortly after that, I mean, I had like players just wanting to come work with me and I was just, you know, I was stuck. Excellent. <laughs> That's good. You know, cause I, a lot of it, cause I had a different approach, you know what I mean? It was, right. everyone was always doing what everyone else was doing. Yep. And I come in with different eyes and different perspectives and, you know, getting great results. So, yeah. And what is excellent? And what is your approach? So, Jason, what's your coaching philosophy? What's something that makes you stand out to other coaches out there? Uh, I mean, I, for me, I think it's that a, a lot of there's probably a lot of things I, I, I believe. Yep. Um, I mean, there's a lot of great coaches. Don't get me wrong. I don't think I'm, you know, the ultimate best of the best. You know, we all make mistakes and we're all always learning. Of course. That's like for sure. But I mean, one, one of the biggest things I think is that I like to, I like to learn and, and actually get involved in a variety of environments and different yeah. sports. And so what I like to do is I like to continue to build my toolbox from different people, from different levels and from different sports. And when I'm working with an athlete, I like to not get too involved directly in that sport. Now, I know that sounds sort of counterintuitive. Like many people are like, oh, you know, you want the tennis specialist coach, right? You want the guy like, he's just tennis. He knows tennis. He knows tennis. It's all about tennis, this, mm. and then specialize this and that, which is great. But then what happens, it allows people to become like an expert in that one field, right? But what we've learned over time, and now there's a lot of research backing this up, that when someone is an expert, they don't always, they're not always the best problem solvers, yep. right? If you need information about like some detail thing, then yeah, you go to the expert and go, okay, yeah, there's that one little detail. And then what happens is the person who has like a, a, a larger range of, of abilities mm-hmm. and perspectives and tools, they're the ones who can actually get the job done the best. Right. They're the ones who come up with the best solutions, the most effective solutions typically. Mm-hmm. So you, you still need to know the, the sport. You still need to know what you're doing. Like, don't yep. get me wrong, but I like to, I'll, I'll give you an example. So if I'm at a, uh, watching a practice, like I have one athlete approaching me and I'm going to start working with them. The mm-hmm. first, when I go to a practice, what I like to do is I, I, kind of, I call it like a zoom in and I zoom out, right? So I don't like to... I'll really watch the player. I'll watch them really closely. I'll watch how their hips are moving, how their body, their timing, their rhythm, how things are flowing. Yep. I'll, what, I'll look at really specific technical things, like what they're doing. Like I'll ask the coach what they're working on, and I'll, I'll really, really zoom in and watch that thing. But then I like to step away back and not really look at anything. It's almost like I'm just sort of gazing over toward where they're at, just to see how the how the rhythm looks and how the flow looks and what's the feel of their movement. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep, yep, yep. And so for me, I kind of like to have one foot in and one foot out on purpose. I don't want to get stuck in doing what everyone else is doing because everyone's doing it. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. I want to make sure that I'm always having a perspective of I'm in it, but I'm also in the stands watching. You know, yep. think about it as an athlete and a coach. You know, coaches on the outside, we see so much in the match. 
we can see everything. So we're out there, right? We're not in the, we don't have that stress, that pressure, that tunnel vision. Yep. You know, we're not, we're not in it. So there's a lot of things that we see that the player won't see because they're they're stuck in that where in they that are zone, now. Yeah. You know what yep. I mean? So you need to have both, I think. So for me, I try to always look at it like put myself in their shoes, learn what they're going, understand what they're feeling, what what's required of them, but I also like to step back and like take things from other sports, take things from other areas. So essentially for me, in a, in a nutshell, is I like to take a holistic approach. Yep. I like to look at things and, and add variety to what they're doing. Um, and for me, it's more, more important to really have them tell me what they're going to do, not me tell them what to do. Right. Like I want my players to take ownership of what they need to do. And, and sometimes, you know, it puts me in an awkward position. Like people, you know, I don't know how awkward may not be the right word, but um, it often people hire a coach because they want to be told what to do. Like yeah. in, in a sense, right? Like, oh, you're the expert. You tell me. But at the end of the day, the the athlete's the expert of them, of course, of themselves, right? Of their world, of the way they like to play, the way they feel. Yep. They are the expert. I might know more about the body and about how things work mm. in the sense of like, you know, I can sound all smart and technical. Yeah. But they they are the expert of themselves. Yeah. And so for me, it's more about well, what do they think? Yep. Yeah. And then I just try to meet them where they're at, and then we guide through that process. Excellent. So, it's yeah. always yeah. Player makes the player. Coaches there to drive it. So exactly right and going back to that when you what is it traveling so you mentioned a little bit there when you're traveling on tour do you yeah. are you a lot more hands-on with the player or are you more back just overlooking things so when you're traveling so you're traveling with some players at the moment yeah, yeah, yeah. probably a lot so i mean yeah. i'm always on the road but yeah yeah um i mean yeah uh, so look being on a tour <laughs> What's it like? Yeah, I'm very, it's very, very involved. I mean, basically if we're awake, we're together. You know, <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? Like whoever I'm with, if it's more than one player, or just the one, like if we're awake, we're together doing something. Hmm. You know, am I directly doing everything? No, because, you know, we're at tournaments, we're traveling. So the coach is quite involved, obviously. Yep. Um, if there's a, you know, a nutritionist or a sports psych or, a, you know, a, a physio, maybe, you know, some specialist with us. Okay, maybe they'll do a little bit of work depending on what we're doing. But I'm very, very hands-on. So, you know, a lot of what I do when it comes to preparation for matches, recovery from matches, still in between matches, having to work on what we're working on for a bigger picture for our overall development. So very, very hands-on. It's, it's very busy. And, and the trick is, is it's kind of what I, re- I kind of referenced to a minute ago about being able to be solution-focused and be creative to find ways yep. to get the job done with minimal time and minimal resources. All right. Right, because on tour, that's what you have to be able to be really yeah. good at is being creative, being adaptable, and having to adjust. Because we don't always know when we're going to play. Mm. We don't know if we're going to win the tournament or we're going to be out the first round. I mean, you, you know, you always assume the other, but you know, yeah, you, know, you never really know, right? There's you don't know what time of day you're going to play. You don't know if the weather's going to change. If there, you know, there's so many uncontrollables. Yep. But we do know that we're going to keep playing week after week. So on tour, it's it's really about being um, just ready, like yeah. just having a readiness all the time. Yep. Knowing when we need to back off. Knowing when we need to add more, um, when, when time opens up and if you know something happens and we're, we got three or four days between matches, great. We use that time to, to attack some some element that we've maybe not been able to because they've been playing so much. You know, so on tour, it's it's yeah, you're very very hands on. Like it's right. you know, it's, saying that though, there's also times where you need to just give them their own space. Of course. Yeah, and actually, what I should say, I should say, there's time and need for everybody to get their own space mm-hmm. to have their own like space to do what they need to do just to be themselves not just be like work work go 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 practice practice train train recover recover because that's what we pretty much do we're just either racing to the courts 
race into training, race into um, recovery, or race yeah. into an airport. Yeah, yeah, it's busy, <laughs> it's, you know isn't I mean? it? So, so emotionally, it's quite draining. It's energy as well. So to really perform your best, you have to know when, okay, just to have a half day, have a day off, you know, let them go off and do whatever they want. It doesn't mm. have to be with anyone with the team. Go have dinner by yourself instead of with the team, you know? Like, yeah. So it, it's it's quite a dynamic environment. Right. Yep. And when, and when the players are, let's say, having a preseason block or a training block, from your yep. point of view, so from the fitness part, do you train them differently to when you would as they're traveling? So obviously when they're on tour, you want to keep them ready. But what yeah. do you do in the off season to get them ready to be able to perform 40, 44 weeks of the year? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, the answer is yes and no. Is it different? Yes and no. Yep. <laughs> so in the application, absolutely different. In the overall design and, and, and focus, it's similar, meaning everything's based on progressing, right? Yep. Everything's based on a building block. If we do one, one, we focus on one element, when we lock that in, then we're going to focus on the next element. And, and the trick is to prioritize those things. So conceptually, it's the same. You know, we still need to periodize things. We need to have certain priority of certain things um, at different times. Mm-hmm. And there's a process that we should, we should try to follow. Right. Um, the, the biggest difference, I'd say, in application is that if we had, and even right now, it's kind of like having a long off season or preseason, right? We have all these weeks off because of the, you know, the COVID-19 situation. Um, we have all this time where there's no, no matches. And so we can look at it, go, well, how many weeks do we have? And then we can break it down into in a more traditional sort of strength conditioning programming where we have... You know, a certain number of weeks we're going to work on some, you know, some stability and some endurance, some basic, you know, base level strength stuff. Then we might, you know, flow into some more dynamic, more power based stuff. And then we might kind of combine all that to like a power endurance thing. Again, what, what elements you would focus on and what order would vary a little bit with the with the player, like where they're at. Yeah. But the idea is like, you know, you, so you have some foundation you can build on it. We might, you know, have a couple of few weeks where we can do some um, aerobic base type work. And then we start working in more interval training or more... Um, um, not just cardiac output type stuff, but more intense stuff that's more specific to tennis. Because right. we have the weeks to do it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on tour, we don't have all that time. Like, we don't have, okay, for three weeks, we're going to do this, and four weeks, we're going to do that, like, in a more traditional sense. Yep. On tour, this is what I think is the biggest difference. For me, I like to do what a lot, a lot, I like to call it microdosing, right? So, we do microdosing, meaning there's, the focus is still the focus, right? So, if we're mm-hmm. working on whatever, like a specific element of this person, you know, if they're, if they're, let's say we find that their biggest, weakest link right now, that their, their, their limiting factor of performing their best and progressing is let's say their, their, their general conditioning, mm-hmm. right? They, they just get out of breath and their heart rates out of the, you know, through the ceiling all the time and they don't recover very well. So right now that's something we need to focus on. Right. Right. And so what we would do is that, um, to try to sneak that stuff in instead of doing like one long session of, you know, hour, hour and a half of training, right. Which would drain them quite a bit. And they're supposed to play the next day. Mm-hmm. Right. We can't really do that. You know what I mean? Because they're not going to be able to perform very well. Um, even if winning the tournament, isn't the focus, like if overall we have this focus of just progressing, right. And we don't care so much about like, okay, I shouldn't say we don't care, but the result of this particular tournament or, or series of tournaments isn't our focus. Our focus is improving our ability. Right. right and improving our skill right so we're looking at a bigger picture even when you have that mindset we don't want them to show up on court to compete and not able to move yep right one is terrible for confidence which that you know that'll kill everything else right <laughs> of course but it's also increasing the risk of injury right yeah. because if they go out there and they haven't recovered from some intense workout and you have to go p- compete 
you know, against another opponent, you know, you're just asking for trouble, right? Yeah. So we do microdosing. So what we might do is that there might be one or two things that um, I want to make sure we have to keep doing. And so I'll break it down into smaller parts, right? So we might do some of the reps and some of the, that series of work we need to do before um, each practice. Mm-hmm. So it might be 10 minutes mm-hmm. rather than an hour, but 10 minutes before practice and maybe 15 minutes after practice, yep. we'll, we'll just attack it, right? Let's say um, like with uh, Arena, one of the things we've been working on is her, her like sort of deeper core and, and, you know, for lack of a better word, like her glute strength, you know, that her ability for her hips yep. and her core to sort of work together. And so there was one exercise we decided like this is a great exercise for you. Like it was a, like a, a weights based exercise. And so that's what we do. We have after practice, we go straight to the gym and we do um, our, you know, three or four sets of this, of this lift mm. of just that one lift. Right. right. So we didn't spend the whole day lifting everything. We just like, this is this one lift and these couple of um, accessory based exercises that match it. We're going to just go do that. So we're there for 15 minutes, you know, do a little bit of recovery and then we're done. Right. So she's getting the work that needs to get done, but we're not, breaking her down so much where she can't continue to perform, right? Yep. So we find little little gaps. If there's a day off between matches, great. We'll do a little bit more of that work. But again, not so much where they can't, you know, perform the next day. Of course. Right? Yep. So it's, it's hard. I don't know if that makes sense. It's not easy to explain because it's very much a living thing. But essentially, you're mic- microdosing. You're taking your, let's look at it like in a week. In, in, a, in a block of one week, there's a certain amount of work I need to get done mm-hmm. to get the result, right? If we yep. look at like the science base of it. So I need a certain amount of volume of this particular work to get, you know, any sort of result. Now, traditionally, we would just have our gym session and we would do that whole work right there. During tournaments, that one week block, maybe maybe it takes me two weeks to get that work in. Yep. Maybe it is within a week, but instead of doing it in one session, I might do it in two or three little sessions yeah. across two or three days. Right. I'll give you an example. Like I remember a, a few years back, there was, you know, what a muscle up is the exercise, a muscle up. It's like a pull up and then you pull, you pull yourself, yourself all up. up and then you yeah, step yeah. over the bar. Yep. Yep. I remember the, at that time, the current world record holder for the number of muscle ups never actually did a training session of muscle ups. Meaning what he would do is throughout the day, he would see a bar or a tree branch or whatever. And he would just bang out, you know, 10, 15 muscle ups. So throughout the day, he was just doing like microdosing. It was just, always doing that getting the rhythm getting the timing fit it in you know so is it ideal in a perfect world of course not right if we had our time to do everything of course but we're on tour we're traveling week after week playing day after day and so you still need to get the work done but you need to be able to adapt to the timing and find a way to fit the work in without hindering their their performance so microdosing is the way I do it yep excellent (laughs) and obviously because fitness is such a big part of the game now from for the younger players so the junior athletes let's say 12 onwards the ones that are aspiring to become professional what age should players start to do fitness sessions Ah, so that's a big question for everyone out there especially parents listening we obviously want to lessen the injuries (laughs) and develop their bodies also what's your take on that jason well, so what is today? Today's what? Saturday, May second. Yes. They should have. They should start Saturday, uh, Friday, May first. That's when they should start. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they should have started yesterday. That's when they should start. Now, what is fitness sessions? Obviously, it's very relative. Yep. Yeah. Um, but they should start right away. Like I think that's one of the biggest things. You know, I, I like I said, I mentioned before, I work with the best of the best in the world. You yeah. know, and when I say I've worked with them, I meaning. I've helped develop them to get them there, not just I just know them and I started working with them. Right? Yeah, I was yeah. actually in part of that journey to get them there. Yeah. So I've been through lots of juniors. I worked with you know junior Olympic teams in a couple of sports. Spent a lot of years working with juniors as well. Mm-hmm. And so 
one of the things that I think is that they like, what is a fitness session? I, I think for juniors is a lot like this is a big, you know, huge. I mean, we spend like a couple of days talking about this, obviously, but I, I think that they should start right away. Yep. You know, I think that when I, when I look at athletes I work with now um, and over the years, the ones that were just the best athletes, and I'm not saying tennis player, football player, whatever, just the best athletes, meaning you show them something that they need to adjust or tweak or get them to understand what something's supposed to feel like and they could just do it mm-hmm. or they pick it up much quicker. They're the ones that they either A, started training at a younger age, right? Or B, played multiple sports or C, all the above, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're the ones that just had that better body awareness and had better control of their body, right? right. So... I think that comes from practice because we have we have what we would call like a, a biological age like how old are you like when's your birthday and then we have a training age mm. right so that's how many years have you been training so like like how many years have you been playing tennis yeah, so well, for you Vuk how long have you been playing tennis poor, uh, 18 years 20 years almost yeah so your your tennis training age is you're 18 years old yeah right but let's say, when did you start doing like focused fitness training sessions? Would have been maybe, no, nah, would have been less. Would have been maybe 10 years all up if it was fitness. Okay, so you're basically a 10 year old yeah. when it comes to training age. Yeah. Right? You understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah I understand. So if, if we can have those closer matched, like your training age, meaning your ability, what's developed, what hasn't developed, what gaps you have, what understanding of your body you have, um, that would be more developed. Meaning, so I'm not saying everyone needs to go in and do some crazy train like you're a professional athlete, adult, yeah. you know, um, athlete. Cause that's the unfortunate part is most of the fitness based coaches that I work with. And I've seen, you know, they, they work with juniors. They're just training them like little adults mm. and they're not little adults. Yeah. Like they're just not right. Yeah. You know, they're, they're looking at, Oh, you know, we didn't do this weightlifting stuff. And that's true. There's, there's, there's validity in, in a lot of the stuff that we do, but there's a time and place for it. Of course. So when you're depending on the age, the biological age, so when their birthday is, but also depending on their training age, what we focus on should be um, the priority. Like, okay, right now I have adult professional tennis players I work with who didn't do much sport when they were younger, didn't do much fitness at all until recently. Mm. And the things that they're not able to do is just shocking to me, right? The, yeah. the awareness of having their body is like not there. You know what I mean? And that's what you need to have to go to that next level. And when I say next level, I mean, it's all relative. You understand? Meaning where you are right now is where you are for you to go to your next level. One of the biggest things is actually having this awareness and this control over your body. Right. Right. So you need to train to develop that, not just your strength, not just your cardio. We need all those things, but we need to also know how to apply that. Right. We need to know how to apply it in, in different environments. Yeah. Right. Because even within a tennis match, right, even within one tennis match, you have to constantly make adjustments. Mm-hmm. You have to constantly find a way to make that that shot. Like yeah. You may not always be perfectly balanced. You may not always have perfect timing. You may not always read what the other player is doing very well or, or their style of play is throwing you off your rhythm. But you still need to be able to control your body as efficiently and as effectively as you can to get the ball back over the damn net. Of course, yeah. Right? And if you, if you don't have that awareness, not just the physical strength and function, but that awareness and that control, you're always going to be limited. Yeah. So the long, the short version of your question was they should start right away. Yeah. But to get to do it appropriately, I guess, of to course. be smart about it. So basically, yeah? it's not playing Tiggy, but it's also not smashing them out in the gym. It's building them slowly to their current 
fitness age, as you said, and obviously yep. what they know and what they're capable of doing as well. Absolutely. Meet them where they're at and then just build from there. You Excellent. Know? Add some variety so it keeps it fresh, you know, keeps it fun. And, and look, that part about the variety, I mean, obviously it depends on the person, but even with my professional athletes, I mean, we do play small, small-sided games all the time. Yeah. And we play soccer. We play like this little, we've made up like probably 10, 15 different games that we just create. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you have to. I, I get my, my players, my athletes, I get them to do all kinds of things that maybe aren't traditional. So a lot of body weight stuff where they have to connect two or three different movements. I make it into one movement mm-hmm. and then get them to go through that because it teaches them how to like just flow through movement, how to find like their base, their strength, their balance yeah. from all kinds of different positions. Well, so they, they develop well. this control. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it's more fun as well. Otherwise you go crazy if you do the same thing over and over. Yeah. And tell me about obviously a big question out there or big theories, weights. Teenagers starting with weights. So yes, they obviously need to be ready in some way, but what's your take on that? So is it beneficial? When should they start it, et cetera? Yeah, look, I mean, okay, as a blanket statement, yes. I mean, of course, resistance training is very beneficial. Like, you know, one of the basic fundamental things we need to have is base level of strength. Right. And to gain strength, we need resistance training. Right. We need to have some we, we have to have something that's a greater force than what we can push or pull yeah. to, to build up on. Right. That's so cool. absolutely. Yes. You need to do some sort of resistance training um, is what does that look like? That's a, that's probably the biggest question. You know, so we're talking tennis specific right now. Right. Mm. If we're talking tennis specific right now, I would say we're not training power lifters. Right. We're not training bodybuilders. We're training athletes as in dynamic movement-based sport athletes, mm-hmm. right? So yes, we need to do some resistance training, but no, we don't, I don't believe we need to train like bodybuilders or power lifters or even Olympic lifters, right? Mm-hmm. I have, so then, so there's that. The other part I would say is it's going to be very relative to the individual, right? So if they're quite capable, cause you know, you might have a, a, a 14 year old, that looks like they're 17, mm-hmm. but you might have a 14 year old that looks like they're 12. <laughs> yeah. Like physically look at them. Right. So to give a blanket age, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't say like, okay, this age you need to do that or this, I would say it'd be based on their development, physically how they've developed. Mm. Um, obviously emotionally what they're able to capable of doing, but the other is their overall training age. So if you have a kid who's 17 and he's a pretty big kid, but he's never done much gym work at all. Yep. Like, yeah, you could do it. You could definitely do some weight training with them and they need it, but it's what would you choose to do with them? You know, is teach them how to do it properly. Right. Of course. Do it safely. Yeah. You know, you, you ease them into that. You went just like, okay, let's, here's a full gym program. Let's go. You know, we're doing bicep curls and tricep extensions and squats. And now we're gonna do some power cleans and, you know, let's do yeah. some you know, overhead squats with a barbell and like crazy ass stuff. Mm. Um, you know, cause some of these things like they're very dynamic and they're, they're a skill. Weightlifting is a skill. Yeah. Right. So we need to look at prioritizing, like how much time do we actually have in a day? How much resources do we have? And how much energy do we have? Mm-hmm. And how much of that would you allocate to weightlifting? Yeah. Right. So a, bit, a, a part, depending on, again, where they're at, you would allocate a certain amount, you know, and not just in their training age and their development, but also in their competition phase. Right. Are they, do we have a big block of like no, no matches? Great. Let's hit the gym heavy. Mm. Let's do, let's do like a few weeks of really heavy weights just to build up that base level of strength. Of course. Does this make sense? Yeah, I understand. Um, yeah, you follow what I mean? And, and the, the last level that would depend on the player. Like I have some players who, 
even now, now that they're pros, they've, they're on tour now, that before a match, they're going to do like one set of heavyweights before they go play as their warm-up. Right. It just gives them that good feel, you know? So I know I'm not answering your question directly saying, this age you should do this and yeah, this age yeah. you shouldn't do that. Because for me, <clears throat> pardon me, for me, it's very dependent on the player. Like if, if they don't have that body control and they're all over the place, for me, it would be like, let's see if I can get them to have good, good control of their body. If you cannot do a push-up with good control and ability, I'm not going to then put you under a bar and load you like some crazy guy. You of know course. what I mean? Do you, do you understand? Yeah. Uh, if you can't do a bodyweight squat, I'm not putting a bar on your back. Mm. Like I'm just not doing it. It's getting that red I know a lot of coaches who do this, and I also know a lot of coaches who have athletes who have stress fractures in their spine. They have back problems, knee problems, shoulder problems, and they're lifting all. They're doing all the right weight lifting that you're supposed to do, apparently. Yeah. But yet, their people are always, you know, injured. You know yeah. what I mean? That's what I always so like to me, say is teach them how to walk before they run. It's, yeah, it's absolutely. So weight training is important, yes. Having a base level of strength is very important, yes. Yeah. Right? When and how you apply that will vary on the person, like how they've developed. And then you need to make sure you have stages. So I, for me, focus mostly on the body weight, control, and, and resistance. And you can do that to a certain level. I'll add some, um, you know, some external load, maybe some bands for tennis players, right? Mm-hmm. And even within that, we might do a little bit of weight training. But it's not going to be like crazy heavy stuff. It might be like lighter to moderate weight just yep. to, to learn the technique and to, and to build up a little bit more strength. You know of what course, I mean? Because yeah. it is different and it is beneficial. Mm-hmm. So does that help? Does that make a little bit yes, sense? Yes, I understand it. And <laughs> it's a big topic. Sorry. <laughs> cool. Um, and what's one thing you will suggest for young players? So I know you've covered it a little bit, but what's if, if you could tell a 14-year-old now out there, boy or girl, what's one thing they need to have from a physical attribute to make it on tour? Well, a lot of it was what I said, like, is this, you need, oh, you know, I would say from a physical aspect, consistency. Yeah. That'd be the word that comes to mind. And I mean, everything from consistency, consistency of your shot making. Can you make that same shot over and over and over again? Mm. Consistently. Yep. And to do that, that would mean that you need to consistently be able to control your dynamic posture, like how you control your body to move into the shot, to mm-hmm. recover from the shot, to be ready for the next shot. So, so being consistency of controlling your body. Yeah. Right. Yep. So if you have that, that's that's a big part of it. I mean, the I mean, it's consistency and everything. I would say that's what you would need to have because a lot of the younger guys and gals, you know, they just want to make it look fancy. You know, finish that big shot. They want to finish the point with like, a, yeah, that looked great. Yeah. You know, like, that was amazing. You know, they want the, that, that look, which is fine. That's, that's part of being young and part of, you know, mm. learning. But like the ones who actually make it are the ones who can like just get the ball back over the net. Yeah. And they can do that efficiently. So when I say that, that body control part and being consistent with that, that requires, you know, doing all the right things on and on and off the court. Mm-hmm. But that having that good body control that I've been talking about, that allows you to, be more efficient and more effective with your energy yeah. for every shot. Meaning, I, like, I'm not a tennis player. You're a tennis player. Mm. I might be able to make that forehand. You, know, you, you hit a ball, I hit that forehand. But for me, I'm probably going to use like 100 times more energy to do it compared to you, mm. right? We, I'm going to go on the tennis court. I'm pretty fit. And in like five minutes, I'm going to have a heart attack. You're going to have me run all over the place. I'm going to be reaching. I'm going to be using so much wasted energy yeah. to do. And you're just sitting there kind of like still cold. You know, you haven't mm. like broken like one little drop of sweat yet you know what I mean because you're efficient with your movement you have good body control good, good body awareness All right. so you gotta get that on and off the court so Excellent. being consistent but I mean 
I, can I actually ask something yeah, that's not please. just about the fitness side with juniors, since we're talking about that, is probably, so I mentioned before, one of the biggest things is they have poor control and poor awareness of their body, right? They haven't developed this this ability to control it and move their body on purpose, Yeah. right? Um, but the other thing I, I, I've found is there's, there's probably a few key things, and I've seen this in the juniors, but then I've seen it with the younger players that um, you know they're fairly, maybe they're within their like say 21 to 22 or 19 to 21, 22 mm-hmm. years old, like that kind of age range where they're starting to come on the tour now is the ones that seem to be consistently doing better and they're, and they're, and you can see them progressing and climbing that ladder and you're looking at them like, okay, you know, there's a few things. One, when they were younger and even currently, they built a good team around them, right? They had a good strength coach or fitness coach, whatever you want to call them, a good tennis coach. They might have a sports psych or a counselor that they went and saw, you know, to talk about things upstairs, like their mindset mm. and their, their emotional control. You know, they, they have a physio or a massage therapist, someone that they can actually, you know, go to and they trust. Yeah. So they built a team around them of people that help them do what they need to do, right? They have a team around them of people that they just go, okay, I'm going to trust you in this element. Now, I'm still going to take responsibility for it, mm. right? I'm going to be accountable for what happens if I don't follow through with the information, but I want to build a team around me. And this is the other part. And I've seen that a lot in a few countries, actually, not all of them. There's a couple of them that really stand out that I've seen this a lot is that people are hopping coaches, young guys and gals that are hopping around from coach to coach all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, you know, cause you know, they see someone's doing really good. So they hop over there or they, they like this little fancy drill they're doing. So I'm going to hop over this coach or, well, I don't like my coach is a bit too strict or mean, or they're not doing what my mom, you know, my mom wants this, your dad wants that. You know what I mean? And so like, you know, the parent doesn't feel like they're doing what they want them to do and not listen to the coach. Mm. So find a coach that you trust and then follow through with it. Pick yeah. a plan, right? Create a plan, pick it, create a process, whatever you want to call it and follow through with the damn thing. Yeah. And see what happens, right? You have a long time, right? Hopping around doing this and that doesn't do you anything. Mm. It gives you no foundation. It gives you no fundamental of anything to be able to perform your best to build from. Back to consistency you're, you're again. Just doing a little fancy trick. It's like right now. If you try to teach me how to play tennis and you were to show me all kinds of cool fancy shots, but you never taught me actually how to like what a recovery step is or how to cross over or how to you know, even how to hold my racket properly. Yeah. Like how, where's my grip go? If you don't show me that, you just show me all the fancy stuff. I'm never going to be a good tennis player. Mm. Right. If I went to a boxer and I taught him a bunch of, you know, fancy combinations, but he doesn't know how to control distance and move at angles. He's going to get knocked down in three seconds. Yeah. Even though he knows, you know, my jujitsu guys, they might know a thousand submissions, but if they don't know the basic fundamental, like how to control their body, how to control distance, how to control balance, that it won't matter how many submissions they know. They'll never get a chance to apply them. Yeah. Right. So pick a process and a coach and a team that you trust and follow through with it. Yeah. Don't just change because like, you know, you didn't like something that they're doing right now. Yep, yep. You know what I mean? Like right now, you know, so that'd be a big thing. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I will move, moving on from there. Cool. <laughs> and obviously you got a, you got your own um, business called the coaching sweet spot. So tell, yes. tell me quickly a little bit about the, what is the coaching sweet spot? Oh, uh, look, it's just, I mean, it's not just, it is, it's, it's about taking that holistic approach to coaching, yep. right? There's many different ingredients, many variables to performing your best, whatever that might mean. And so the coaching sweet spot is finding you, what is your sweet spot? Where do you perform your best? Right. right? Let's look at all these different things and how we're going to find the right combination of all the right parts 
for you, where you are right now. Yeah. So we can take you to that next level. And then when we get to the next level, the same thing. Now, where are we now? What is the sweet spot for you? Right. Cause that could change a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it was that. And, and the, the reason I brought the business together, cause I have mentorships that I run for coaches, but also for athletes. So I train the athletes and I have mentorships with coaches. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that I've worked in so many environments from hospitals to elite athletes to juniors to all around the world. Yes. And that's taking a lot of the stuff I've learned from my own training, my own sport and working in all these other environments and teaching and sharing that knowledge because there's a lot of fitness coaches and strength coaches and just other skill-based coaches that, you know, they've only done the one thing for so long or they're fairly yeah. new at it and they don't get exposed to a lot of things that I got, you know, opportunity to be exposed to. So right. I just run mentorships for them and, and yeah, we, and what the mentorships look like is it's all personalized. So I don't do like huge numbers. I don't yeah. have like, you know, pre-programmed coaching, you know, uh, one you know one. I follow. It's like, if Luke, if you hire me to mentor you and you know, you hire me to, to coach you, I'm going to sit down with you and go, what do we need to work on? Where are you now? Yeah. What's the first one thing we need to focus on? And let's, let's get that. Yeah. Right. And then we go from there. Yeah. So yeah, that's what that is. To me, that, that sounds like a proper mentoring program. It's specifically based on the individual to that's really right. help them. So that's, that's excellent. Has to be and how can, how can they get in touch with that? So do you have always social media and Facebook. How can people get in touch with you, coaches, players that want to do some fitness yeah, or I mean, mentoring? Yeah. I mean, obviously, like the social media is a big thing now. So, like, Instagram is just my name, Jason Stacy with no E, underscore coach. Um, then go to my website. So, it's just thecoachingsweetspot.com. Um, and yeah, just hit me up. You can just send me an email, send me a message via, you know, either the website or the social media. Yeah. Yeah, if you need some help, just let me know. Excellent. That's and awesome. you're based in Melbourne as well, but you do online work with players and coaches? Absolutely, especially now with all the, yeah, know, the, yeah. the lockdown. But yeah, I've, I've always done an online platform for all our fitness coaching. Um, so we do like a, you know, and the mentorship as well. We do, we use technology. So yeah. I do I have coaches, I have athletes right now in four different time zones. Right. So I don't ever sleep basically. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of coffee. Yeah. And yeah, that's right. What's one tip you would recommend for fitness coaches or young SNC coaches trying to get their name through or get in the industry? What's one tip you would recommend they do? If they want to pursue that Man, life, I'm terrible with these one-tip things. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I mean, I'm just like, dude, do the work. Networking is a big thing. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, um, you know, like I always say, who you know gets you the job, but what you know keeps you there. Yeah. You know, so networking. You know, being an honest person, learning from everybody, mm-hmm. ex- ex- especially your athletes and other coaches. Yep. Learning from them, listening to them. Um, I would say a big part for me would be um, knowing that the human side of things is just as important, if not more important than your numbers, right? It's not, it's not just about your sets and reps and your recovery and, and your, or your cool looking exercises. Yeah. Right. Those are all important. Of course they play a role, but learning how to like know people, I would say spend an equal amount of time, if not more learning about behavior change, about human behavior, about how to help people find their own way to motivate themselves Learn about the human side of things as much as you can, because that's going to be the biggest difference, right? If you're trying to get into somewhere working with pro sport, like privately, um, like say tennis, my suggestion would be as a fitness coach, add those things I've mentioned, but also I think you need other skills like um, hands-on treatment types, like some massage therapy backgrounds, mm. some MAT, some RPR, like some sort of manual type therapy where you can help them with their recovery and their corrective exercises, yeah. not just their strength conditioning. Of course. Because an athlete who's going to hire you, you know, it's expensive, right? If you want to go travel with a, a, you know, privately with these professionals, then you need to have like uh, more than just you can do some good workouts. Yeah. 
Yeah, you, know? you need to be able to help them with recovery, help them with their massage, help them with you know injury prevention and management. So there you go, Jason, brother. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Yeah, you know what? Thanks, man. We'll talk to you later. Take, Take care, care, everyone. And there you have it, guys. Thank you for tuning in to the Alpha Class. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and rate us. If you want to keep up with our movements, please head to our Instagram and Facebook page at Australian Alpha Tennis Academy. I'm your host, Books Kadaka, and I'll see you again next week.